You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Stephen Murray, and I'm here sitting with Lieutenant Waylon Cubitt from Oklahoma City. He works for Oklahoma City the Police Department and runs Fact Mentoring. Lieutenant Wayland, how are you doing? Man, I am doing fantastic. Busy, busy day, but it's always fun chatting with you. You know, there's always that conversation you have before you hit record. <laughs> that was the one we should have been recording. Oh my gosh, you, you've been unpacking a, a bunch of stuff going on in your mentor program kids getting connected through events that you've put on that you had no idea have been meeting with mentors for years, stories of games and mentoring activities you do where you teach kids authority and you teach them leadership and you teach them how to make room for other people in the room and not just posture to act like you own the place. I'll probably add all of that stuff on the end of this episode so people can hear it because it was awesome, (laughs) man. So... Lieutenant Wayland, I, I mean, you've been on our podcast before, but now we have extended an invitation for you to be a standing host. How do you feel about that invitation? I am like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> like the number one mentoring podcast in the world? <laughs> I get to lend my, I'm, what do you mean? How do I feel? I'm like intimidated and honored at the same time. Oh man, you're the one with the TED Talk, man. We're we're just sitting over here in in I don't know, like a dark room recording podcasts and you're out on the stage. So I don't know what you're talking about. We're yeah, so that, honored to have you, man. Well, uh thank you and if I can if I can add uh, my goal is to add value everywhere I go. And so if you believe, if you guys think that I can add value to the mentoring story, man, I want in. I want in. 100%. Well, tell tell us about Oklahoma City Tell us about just your background and let us know about fact mentoring. If someone's meeting you for the first time today, I know we've had you on the podcast before. That was probably a hundred episodes ago, and that's not an uh, overstatement. We boot it because nothing. I mean, I'm like, uh, you get more change out of a nickel than you do out of wiggling cubit, right? So <laughs> not much has changed. Let's see, Oklahoma City, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful city. I grew up here. Uh, yes, I've traveled. I, I, I've I tell people that I grew up as the black leaver to beaver, like mom and dad. And <laughs> I had food when I got home and it was just very structured. And it was, it was all of the mischievous things that boys do. I went to one school my entire life from kindergarten all the way through high school, the greatest high school in Oklahoma city, Millwood junior, senior high. I went there to kindergarten and first grade and second grade and wow. everywhere. So we graduated I graduated with 75 people and those 75 people I probably was in kindergarten with. So, <laughs> you know, it was really, really, I know now I, I felt like it's normal, but I know now that's pretty unique, but I've always wanted to be a police officer. Really? Okay. So that was from the beginning. You wanted to be a police officer. 12 years old, 12 years old. Come on. Uh, I remember thinking about it, dreaming about it. Of course I kept it to myself because that was not a popular thing to, to want to be in my community. So, or in my family should, should I say for sure. So I kept it to myself and kind of secretly admired it. But before that, Stephen, what would you think that I wanted to be before I was 12? Ooh, I, I mean, 
I would say you you probably wanted to be an astronaut. Close, close. I, mean, I wanted to be a stuntman. A stuntman? Come on. Well, yeah. I mean, the same kind of profile. So right. crazy. Yeah. Like, how high can can I really jump off of that and live? Yeah, yeah. Until my daddy stops, like, tells me, "Boy, get down off the house. That's not smart." Yeah, you know. That's great, man. I love it. So, so I mean. I don't know when you became a police officer. Was that when you, I mean, you become 2021. 20, I don't know how old you have to be to be you a police officer. Okay. I was not, I was not, although I tried to get on uh, that, that, that young God knew that I was way too immature to be a police officer at that age. And so I didn't, I didn't get to become a police officer. Until I was 26, 27 years old. So. I'm like, what was I doing? When I was 21. I'm like serving snow cones or something. So yeah. Can't imagine being a police officer. No, no. My mentality. Remember, stuntman, cop, 21, gun, probably not the right combination. <laughs> God knew what he was doing. Yeah. God knew what he was doing. Yes. Yeah. Tell tell me about your family. Like, I mean, you, all we know right now is that you 12 years old, you wanted to, to be a cop. Mm-hmm. So tell me about yeah. high school. Tell me about just growing up. I yeah. mean, looking back, I, I know now, you know, I was friends with everybody. And I wasn't a popular kid. Like I wasn't like the most popular kid or not like that, but I was just friends with all, it was everybody, the one, the least of them and the most popular of them. You know, I was just kind of that guy. I, I have the most wonderful wife in the world. And I know, I know if we, it's not a competition. Right? Whoa, whoa, but, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. Come on, Lieutenant. I know. You, I know. you haven't met Katie. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't want to get into the competition like the, the wifey Olympics. I don't want to get into that, but, but my wife gets a gold medal. And the reason why is because she puts up with me. And let me tell you, that's some heavy lifting. That's some heavy lifting. I can imagine you coming coming in to bed and you're like talking about mentoring principles or I don't know, some lesson that, that you have. Yep, yep, and yep, she's just sitting there like, yeah, okay. Yep, yep. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. Not only do I come home with a mentoring story, a few times I've come home with kids that she had to feed <laughs> and bathe and sometimes a house and even adopt. Right? Oh my gosh had foster kids. We've had eight foster and adopt kids on top of our four. And we we just celebrated our 29th uh, anniversary. Wow. Congratulations, man. It's, it's been fantastic. And we're praying to God that he does not allow us to bring any more kids home. <laughs> so we're, we just want to mentor and not raise any more kids. Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, I've, I've heard that more recently. People have been praying for God to close doors, not open them. They're like, Lord. Yeah. We- <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He doesn't listen uh, when he wants to do it. <laughs> he does it because we've had that prayer after the first couple of foster kids and he, we kept on having to get them. So I know he's going to do what he wants to do. So. That's good. That's good, man. So man, eight, eight foster kids, four biological, man, I'm sure you got a ton of stories there, but just, I mean, you sound like a father, you got a, a father's heart and you're running a mentoring program. So, I mean, it's incredible. It's a lot of miles in the mentoring world. Right. Because, I mean, even as a parent, you're parenting, but you're mentoring too, right? You're guiding. And so there's, I, I can tell you, here's, can I tell you the mistake that I made in that journey, in my mentoring? And I can, I can say this now, you will not have this problem in your mentoring, but my, my mentoring was not necessarily, was, was not through a faith-based organization. So the official mentoring came through the police department. And so I was praying for my kids secretly. Like I get up in the morning and I'd be thinking about little Steven and, and I'd pray and I'm like, and I do all that kind of stuff. And then I, and God would provide answers and wisdom and the opportunity to pour into Steven. 
And, and then I would get with Stephen and do all that kind of stuff. And I, and when Stephen had some success and asked me about that success, I never said, I never shared my faith with him. I, I made that mistake. And so there's, there's for the first half of my mentoring journey that I, I think my official men- mentoring journey, I'm upset at myself because I never gave God credit mm. when he gets all of the credit. And when, the, so I think that I've left some kids out there that went, man, Sergeant Cube, Officer Cube, Lieutenant Cube, he, he did these wonderful things for me. And I love the fact that he did it, but I want them to be able to say, God did it. Not, mm. not, not Waylon did it, not Lieutenant Cube did it. And so I don't have to, and I know in, the, in spaces, the people are different. I don't have to lead with my faith, but I have to include my faith. Yeah, right. that's good. Right. That's good. Give credit. And I mean, point people to, uh, we had a guy on, he was like, we are the resource to the source. So yeah. we, we don't have to, we don't have to take credit. We just got to point people in the right direction. And, that's right. That's right. And I, and I just didn't do that. Well, I knew it, I was doing it, but I never told my kids to look that direction. Yeah. yeah. That's good, man. So when, where, I mean, you obviously start working for Oklahoma City Police Department. Has that been your spot your entire career? No, 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 no. Man, I, I, I wanted to, this was not in the picture. No, this, although I was mentoring outside of the police department, I was doing it, I, believe it or not, mentoring started in my life when I was 16 years old. Mm. I started mentoring. Didn't know, didn't have a terminology. I was just volunteering at a, at a, at a children's home at a group home in Oklahoma city at 16 at 16 at 16. This must, I must've told you this story before. Did I not tell no. you the story? Okay. I know nothing about you, Lieutenant Whalen. All, all I know is your, your five or six P's that you taught me. It was like okay. presence, power. I got first, two of them. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was part of the first semester. So I got in, like I said, I, as a popular kid, we always kind of mischievous and we were out horseback riding near Oklahoma city, me and a couple of my best friends. That's what people do in Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, they just ride horses and not necessarily, I don't want people, <laughs> but I'm a city boy that happened to know a little bit about riding horses because my family comes from, come from Southeastern Oklahoma, but the, but my other two buddies are city boys. They didn't know about riding horses. So that's why when we rode the horses, they gave me the, the biggest horse and the hardest horse to control because I had a little horsing experience. Well, after we rode these horses all day long and all that kind of stuff, the horse gets away from me, gets get the bit stuck in its mouth. I'm not able to stop the horse. He's running to get back to the barn and he runs into this blindsided by a chicken wire fence. So that it stops the momentum of the horse, throws me over the horse, and then the horse falls completely on me. Oh my uh, gosh. Uh, and, I, and I was 15 and crushes my pelvis. Didn't know if I was paralyzed, didn't know how extensive the injuries were. I'm in the emergency room. My parents are there. All of my family is calling from, from out of state to check on me. And I have my, my mother's sister, my aunt, is a minister in St. Louis. And she was one of those family members that called. I got tubes in my, up my nose and down my throat. And, and, I, and I just want to be left alone. And my mother says, here, your aunt wants to talk to you. And I go, no, I do not want to talk to her. And we do this back and forth, pushing the phone to my head and I push it back and she pushes forward and I push it back and I can't say no. So she finally, all you have to do is listen. And so, okay, I'm listening and I am annoyed. I'm mad. Well, my aunt begins to prophesy to me and pray for me. And Stephen, this is what she says. She says, Waylon, and it's very dramatic. She's a very dramatic speaker. The prophetic too. people are always dramatic. <laughs> 
She is. And she, and she begins to tell me what God is telling her about me. Mm. And it's, she said, you are going to be instrumental in some young man's life. You are going to change the life of some young man. I want you to feel that. And I'm like, and, and here's the thing. I don't know what she's talking about, but I am crying uncontrollably. It pricked my heart. Soon as she gets done praying, my parents don't know why I'm crying. I think they think I'm crying because I have to listen to this. I'm crying from what she's saying because it's convicting me. I know it's true. Or but they thought know. you were crying because a, a, a car with four legs fell on you. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. a horse. Good Lord. <laughs> yes. They have no idea what these tears are from. And so I get off the phone and that's that. I get well. I'm 16, 17 years old. And I, to right now, cannot tell you why I turned into this little dark parking lot close to my house and to discover this group home back there. And it's all of these kids, half, half of which were African-American young, young boys that were having to live there because they couldn't be with their family for whatever reason. I don't know. At that point, I had no idea what a, what a group home really is. They're just not with their parents. And the director there talked to her and she goes, you should volunteer here. And I volunteer. And they approved me as a mentor through the background check because I had no background. I mean, I was just 16. And so I started bringing, when me and my friends would play football, I'm like, we're going to go play at the group home. So I would bring a group carloads of boy, men up to the group home. Wow. We played cards and dominoes and we played football and, and I'd bring my, my mentee that they matched me with to my house to eat dinners and, and just included him in my life at, at that time. I had no idea what I was doing. No idea what I was doing. And I have no idea where that young man is today. I can see him in my, I mean, I know what he looks like in my mind, but I, I don't, I don't know. I went to college and that, that whole thing ended that place closed down and was repurposed. So I've been doing it in some level, my entire uh, adult life. That is crazy. It's yes. Crazy. Yes. And so, I, I mean, you're showing up to this group, a 16 year old mentor, which I, I mean, I just love what that speaks to. I mean, the future of any, any boy that's in high school right now of if we could just get ants to, to speak prophetically into boys' lives when they're in high school and say, hey, you're going to be influential in some kid's life. And because mm. we know that's true. Every, everybody everybody can be that. Everybody's going to be influential in somebody's life, positively or negatively. But but I just think her willingness to to speak that into you in your, in your dark moment, I mean, she probably didn't see where you, where you end up now. <laughs> no. But, you know, I'm thinking back and I was like, if she was right, which boy was it? Is it my son? Is it, you know, which, which boy is it? You know, I don't know which young man has, will it, will it be? You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know, but that's, that's been, I can't believe I didn't tell you that the first interview we had. That's powerful, man. And, yeah. and I, I like how you just casually said, well, I healed from, from this injury. I mean, a horse fell on you and crushed your pelvis and you just, well, and so now I ended I'm up sorry. at a children's home and I'm throwing baseball or football with a kid. Right, um, right. You're crazy, Lieutenant Whalen. Come on. There was a stuntman in me somewhere. <laughs> you know, back there, yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually from Oklahoma, so I've seen some horses in my day, but I would not want to be thrown off of one nor have it be caught underneath one. So yeah, that's, that's that, crazy, man. It was terrible. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> have you that's done all, Have you done any more horseback riding since then? Listen, I had decided after healing from that that I was done with horses. But because <laughs> in Oklahoma, because in Oklahoma, 
you have to come across them from time to time. And that fear was not going to down. I, I mean, I would just be scared. And I went, uh-uh, I am not going to be scared of a horse. So I got back on a horse to ride a horse just to say it didn't defeat me. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not terrified of them anymore, but I don't ride them. I don't really ride them. I, I guess I would, but I don't need them for transportation or anything. So we're good. <laughs> I mean, I think that's in right now. There's a lot of cops riding horses now. So man, I, I, have a, I have a young man that I mentored that is all into it. He is much into the horseback ride. Yeah. I always wondered like, is, is there just like a, a horse stall at the police department and you guys are just feeding those over there or what, where do you I, keep? I yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to have anything. To, you're asking questions. I don't know. I don't want to know anything about the horse. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. Well, I want people to get to know you, Lieutenant Whalen. So how about you fast forward into just what you're doing currently uh, with fact mentoring? I know you're you're kind of in charge of community engagement and would you just let people know kind of your vision behind fact mentoring? Yeah. So the, the police department years ago, when, when we started this 2007 or so, they we we had, had we had had an increase in drive-by shooting and gang activity, particularly on a couple of sides of town. And so we had an incident where a a baby sleeping in their crib was hit by a stray bullet. And it just sent, it was just heartbreaking, obviously. And so the the police chief was like, man, we, there's no way the community wants to help, the community wants to volunteer, and there's no way to volunteer for the for the police department. We don't have an avenue for you to do that other than to just call and tell us what you know. And around that time, the, the police chief recognized my off-duty community involvement, stuff that I was doing through my church. And I happened to be the youth director at my church. And I threw, I say I threw the church through a teen summit. And so we gathered these, all of the teens at the church and in the neighborhood and uh, said, what do y'all want to do? And they wanted to talk to community. They wanted to talk to city leaders and their main concern was youth violence and gangs. So they wanted to talk to city councils and mayors and police chiefs and senators and congressmen. And, and so we just reached out to all of those people that we could and said, well, you come to the, the teen summit and let these, these teens ask you questions. And I reached out to the police chief and he came and he said, you know, what time are you doing it? Well, it's a, it's a teen thing. So we can get you on about midnight because we're going all night long. And so he comes at midnight and there's probably 150 kids and parents out there and he was impressed by that and began to watch. Now, here's where I was working at the time. I was working undercover policing at the time. I was an undercover police officer. And so after that event, he called me and he says, you have a way with kids. You have a way with community. You're respected at the police department. What can you do to help us with this gang problem? And what would you do? And I said, well, I would probably do this. I'd probably do that. And, and he said, okay, you're reassigned. Go, go, create, a, go create a unit, our program. And I went, what? I don't know how to do that. And so he supported me. I, went, I traveled a few places. I looked at some other police departments to see, and I took a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and a whole lot of prayer, put some stuff together. And he put the resources behind me and, 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 and that's where we are now. So it started out as a gang prevention program. And I guess you could still call it that, but I, I do not refer to it as a gang prevention program. In fact, we changed the name to youth outreach program because we don't want kids being labeled because they're hanging out with police officers in this program labeled as gang members or troubled kids. And so we might have some, all of the kids maybe come from inner city or certain or poverty or some zip codes or something like that, but they're not, they just want to be mentored, right? They just want wisdom, positive caring adults in their, in their life. 
And so it's a youth outreach program that we do here. And we have two community centers in our in, in those two parts of town in low income areas that is accessible to a couple of schools and accessible to a couple of apartment complexes that kids can access us anytime they want to by walking over here. And that's 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 what we do. Come on, man. Well, I I mean, undercover cop to okay, run a mentoring program for for kids who want guidance, who want mentorship, who maybe not don't have it or would look for it in the wrong place. I mean, I think everybody's looking for for direction, but yes. who are you going to get it from? Yep, yep. And and we 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 know, like you know this, that somebody is going to take guidance from they're going everybody's going to take guidance from somebody. And if you leave it, leave it to happenstance, there's no telling where they're going to get it from. And so why should the police department be, or any police department who has the resources, not be intentional about, I want you to be influenced by us. Mm-hmm. You're going to be influenced by somebody. And so we want you to, and so one of, when I, early on, there was the, we had a high profile incident. We had a high profile incident where a young man in middle school and two young men in middle school went in to rob a pharmacy. And when they, during the pharmacy, the robbery, the clerk, the end up taking a gun out and shooting one of the kids and killing one of the kids and the other one ran out. And as they investigated this, how did they get there? What was it? They were, they were a 30 year old man drove these kids to this pharmacy to commit this robbery. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, that was mentorship. That was mentorship. And so, um, I said, no more, we're going to, we're going to mentor. If we're going to mentor, we need to, we need to be intentional about making sure we drive them to school, to football practice, to the tutoring program and other places besides to do what, what ended up happening in that pharmacy. That, that That's a very visceral story to me because my, my mentee, his, his best friend was 18, was shot and killed this last year and was, was hanging out with a guy who was about 25, 26 who was just in the wrong group. And yeah, I mean, you never know where you're going to end up because of the people that are influencing you. And, and I wonder how much of that Lieutenant Whalen, it's like officers, it's like you guys run toward the fire. You got, when everyone's running away, y'all are running toward it. And I say fire, you're, you're an officer. I mean, I mean like, toward, uh, yeah, you need to specify toward the situation. Gunfire, gunfire. Don't say fire. You don't want people to think we're firing. Right. <laughs> But, but in a way that, that is a culture of responsibility that, that mentors feel that people that get into foster care feel it's, I'm going to be a part of the solution. I want to run toward the issue, not away from it. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously your hope is, is not uh, just for officers to solve all the problems, but really to be an example for the community of what does it look like to engage the issue, to give guidance to boys who don't have it to, to mentor. And, and so that example, just as, I mean, police officers, they keep the peace, but in, in a perfect world, they would set an example within a community of what that looks like, of how to build relationships, how to, to see ourselves as a community, neighbors, how to love one another and, and create those connections. And so, I, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense in everything that you've said about who you are, that, that mentorship would be, the value that you're trying to incorporate within your police department. So I yeah, love it, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It, it's, I, I, and, and, I, and I know you run 
a great mentoring program and it's far more advanced than, than, than what we're doing. And there's other mentoring programs out there and, and, and we get a lot of credit in our city for the work that we do, but, but let me just be real honest. Your mentoring program and my mentoring program and their mentoring program and that program over there, programs are programs are programs are programs. I have, I, you rarely ever hear people say the transformation happened in my life because of a program. They usually point to a person, right? And so that means mentoring is relational. And we have to know how to equip people for relationships. Like we can build a program. So, so we have a, a platform for those relationships to, 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 to happen. So thank God for the programs because that's the onboard for the, for the connections, but we have to do relationships, right? And that horrible story that I just told you is a 30 year old man somehow had the opportunity to build a relationship without a program that, that, that influenced the behavior that rocked this community, that changed the family, two families, the pharmacist, the pharmacist is in prison for what he did. The other kid that ran away is in prison. And then we had a funeral for the one. The man that walked him in there is in prison. Look at all the lives that was changed because of relationship. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We have to do the value of relationships are, are key. So I love programs and we need to build programs. We need to build a structure. So the relationships, and I know you do some matching and, and all that kind of stuff. That's fantastic. But I know you spend a lot of time training mentors and, and the whole purpose of this, this podcast is to say, do the relationship well, do the relationship well, because that ultimately is what tra where transformation happens. Amen. Amen. Come on. You can mentor. Yeah, and, right. and I, I do think that I, I'm encouraged you jumping on as a host to be an example to, to our listeners and sharing about how you build relationships. But I also know you're going to have people come on the podcast that you'll interview that have embodied that relational aspect in, in the mentorship that they're doing that uh, I mean, really is honorable and worthy, worthy to be followed. And so I'm excited about the people you're going to bring on to the podcast, Lieutenant Wayland, and would love for you to interview your staff, interview kids that have been impacted through through your mentoring program and and other volunteers and other people that you know is is there anything that our listeners should know that you are passionate about that we haven't talked about yet i mean horseback riding and relationships <laughs> horseback riding is probably <laughs> last on the passion list right but you know i really do i really do care about a lot of things but mentoring you know is is right up there at the top yeah. But you probably hear me a lot of times talk about, or it'll, it'll leak out, even though it's not necessarily the focus, but what we can do as good citizens to close the gap relationally when it comes to race, right? I'm not going to run away from those hard subjects. And, and, and I'm sure you will see or hear me talk about unity and equity and doing relationships cross-culturally from time to time on this podcast, because I believe that we can do it better, but we can't do it talking about race in silos. We have to talk about it together. And, and, and if we talk about it with our kids and introduce them, get them used to identifying the implicit unconscious things that they might be saying about gender, race, religion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then maybe one day we plant the seed that eliminates race altogether. Mm. 
right? I, 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 I tell this story and this is, and this is a good one to end on. Like you'll, you'll, we'll close the door on this story. <laughs> Bring it home. I went, <laughs> I went on a mission trip years ago and I did not see any reason to leave the country for mission. When I'm looking at all the mission in my neighborhood and where I work and with these kids that I was serving. So I rejected the opportunity to go on it. I thought it was ridiculous, but my mentor was the one that was offering me the opportunity to go, right? Uh, this is a guy I claimed as a mentor. And he said, don't worry about the cost. I'm going to take care of it. And then I said, well, I will only go if you sponsor me and one of my mentees. He said, done, without hesitating. I thought doubling the cost would scare him off. And he said, no. So I took uh, my, one of my mentees, his name is Malcolm. A uh, great young man now, father now, and, and took him with me to just over the border into Mexico. And our job was going to be building a casita, uh, a one room house where a family didn't have a house. And we were doing this with cinder blocks and hardly no equipment. It was all done by hand. And, and it was 15 or 20 of us that went down there. And me and this guy were doing it. And after end of day one, me and my mentee were, the family we were helping was so thankful and gracious and they expressed so much gratitude. It was just such a great feeling for what we were doing that we were like, we went to my mentor and we said, we're in, you, we know that you lead groups like this every year and all over the place. I, we're in. Next year, <laughs> call us up. We're, we're, I don't, don't ever leave us again. I'm sorry I didn't give you any resistance. Uh, and I said, what are we doing next year? Because I've heard that you dig whales. I've told you you do, you do all this kind of stuff. What are we doing next year? He said, oh, no, I don't. We don't do any of that stuff anymore. All I do is this. All we do is build casitas. I said, well, we've done this. Let's do something else. I said, take us to go dig wells where you dig wells. He says, well, I don't do that anymore. And I go, why, why don't you dig wells anymore? He said, well, because we get these group of 15 or 20 people and we go and we go to dig the wells and our job would be to dig the trench. And at the end of three days, when we get done, all these 20 people can look back and all they have is a trench. And it's, they work real hard. They do all the digging. They do all this kind of stuff. And we'll leave and another group will come in and lays the pipe. And they do all that. And when they leave, another group comes in and lays gravel and they do all that kind of stuff. But it's several groups down the road, usually, before actually any water actually is flowing to the people that we came to serve. So they never, ever get to see the finished product, ever. And they usually leave really dissatisfied, right? They did a lot of work and didn't get anything out of it. So in Casitas, at the end of three days, we will have a house, mm. right? We will get to see, and you all will feel so good and you got your finished product and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I think about that story all the time when I'm, when I'm talking to uh, new volunteer mentors is, do you want to dig wells or do you want to build casitas, right? You have to recognize that the work that you're doing with this kid right now, you may be laying the groundwork, digging the trench, but you may never, ever, ever, ever drink the water. Mm from the well that you're digging, right? That's just your job. Just do your job, right? We will never, we may never ever see the finished product. The finished product really is up to God. We just have to dig the well, the trench. And so if you're coming here to build casitas, go somewhere else. We're digging wells in this program. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. 
Man, that's a good word. Lieutenant Waylon Cubitt, Fact Mentoring, Fact Mentoring, Oklahoma City Police Department. You are the man. How can people reach you? I mean, they're going to hear from you. We're going to tag you in every episode that you, you host. <laughs> okay, but, yeah. but just if anyone after listening to this wants to connect with you, how can they reach you? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Waylon Cubitt on Facebook. I do a weekly live conversations with Cubitt, uh, highlighting great people here in Oklahoma City. Some great topics, some challenging topics, some just fun topics, but every it's live every Tuesday night. They can get me on Facebook, Instagram at Fact Mentoring 1235. No, no, at Mentoring 1235. Not Fact, just Mentoring 1235. That's there. I just kind of post all kinds of stuff. And then WCubit on Twitter. Reach out. I love to, I love to connect. You're on Twitter. Gosh, you're so cool. No, I'm not good at Twitter, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can be good at Twitter. I've seen people good at Twitter. That That's not me. No. no I'm just on there. Well, Lieutenant Whalen, welcome to the You Can Mentor host family. So glad to have you and look forward to hearing the interviews that you have pop up here every once in a while. So look forward to hearing Lieutenant Whalen's voice and his stories and wisdom listeners. And, and I would encourage you to share this episode if it encouraged you, if the stories touched you and, and maybe there's someone in your life who's a mentor who is is digging the trench and isn't seeing the the full story, hasn't hasn't drank uh, the water yet. And you could just encourage them by, by sending them this, this episode. So thanks for coming on, Lieutenant Whalen. You can mentor. 